Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, only you can steal. My soul steps again this morning. Father, thank you for a brand new day. Thank you for the grace to come into your presence this morning. Thank you for the blessing of coming into your presence this morning. Scripture says to enter your gates with thanksgiving. And so, Lord, we come with thanksgiving. We say thank you. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the gift of your mercies. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for the gift of a family. Lord, of a husband, of a wife, of children. Lord, you daily supply all our needs. Lord, we are grateful this morning. And we give you all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you because we can come into your presence and cry, Abba, Father. We can call you our King and our Savior. Lord, be glorified in the precious name of Jesus. Adonai, you are the Lord Most High. Elohim, you are the Lord Most High. And we give you all the glory this morning. We give you all the praise. Be magnified forevermore in the precious name of Jesus. Father, we declare this morning that you are indeed faithful. Scripture says you keep your word. Lord, you have never failed before and you will never fail. You are not a man. You will not lie. Father, we give you the praise in the name of Jesus. As we spend this time again here in your presence this morning, learning in your presence, reading the word, Lord, grant us wisdom, grant us understanding and cause your name to be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. All right, let me say a big welcome to everyone joining in to devotion this morning. I am Murphy Eyenike. We continue, okay, reading our Bible. It's been interesting. The book of Corinthians, uh, First Corinthians, has been interesting. But as you might already be aware, this is actually not for Paul's first letter. Okay, to the Corinthian church. But this is the one we have, okay, assembled together as our, okay, the book of 1 Corinthians in the Bible. Okay, there has been some exchange of correspondence between himself and the Corinthians. Okay, so as we go, uh, continue reading today, I want to say again a big thank you to everyone that has joined me on on my channel on Spotify, uh, following on Facebook. Uh, maybe you get this on WhatsApp, uh, you follow me on Twitter or, or any of my other handles, you probably, you'll be able to get, continue to follow us reading the Bible. Thank you very much. I trust God that you are growing in your faith and that this has been a blessing to you. Uh, my charge this morning is that continue. Uh, yes, the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. And the Bible says that the path of the just shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. So as we pay attention to the word of God daily, yes, uh, our paths will shine brighter and brighter. We will get better and better. You will know the Lord for yourself. Scripture says those who know the Lord, their God, they will be strong and they will do exploits. Hallelujah. 
So God bless you. Thank you very much. Remember, Daily Devotional with Murphy Eyenike is where you will find me on Spotify and Facebook and all the other handles. Okay, so we I want to note, uh, let's recap a bit. Um, we'll be reading the book of First Corinthians and Paul has addressed a few issues. I have said that look, the Corinthians church was um, a lot like the church that we have today in that it was located in a metropolo- uh, metropolitan city, okay, in a large city, okay, so the challenges you see in our churches today are the same challenges that they had then and Paul addressed them. So we can learn from from or we can glean wisdom from how Paul solved some of these problems and what the instructions he gave to them. Obviously, he has addressed the place of division in the church. He has addressed the place of comparing comparing leaders with one another. He said, no, that should not happen. He has addressed the place of sexual immorality and that we should avoid we should avoid that. He also addressed the place of, you know, avoiding taking taking brothers ourselves to court, okay? Brothers and sisters taking themselves to court. He's addressed all of that, okay? So, Paul will continue to address different different issues. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he addresses or gives instruction on marriage. And this one, again, can be a bit confusing for a lot of people as they seek to understand what Paul is saying. Is Paul talking to married people? Is Paul talking to those who are about to get married? Okay, or is Paul talking to those who are single? You usually have to make a distinction. So we'll learn that today. And then in chapter 8, uh, Paul addresses idolatry. Yes, that has, you know, just found its way into uh, this church. And I'm telling you, you look at the church today, uh, idolatry has entered. Um, we are we worship money um we worship you know you see that the devil has stylishly thinking things that were, that are in the world people begin to bring them into the church gradually we have brought witchcraft into the church you know anything you use to manipulate people is witchcraft okay so any form of manipulation i'm telling you is witchcraft okay so um, we've brought that into the church and uh, Paul will warn, her, warn us on the consequences of this. All right, please get your Bibles. Let's read this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and 8. 7, instruction on marriage. Now, regarding the questions you asked in your letter. So it meant they wrote to Paul. Remember, Paul already wrote to them. They wrote back to Paul and uh, someone from Chloe's house, okay, at come to give Paul a uh, a physical account of what uh, she had witnessed or he had witnessed at the Corinthians church. And that was what inspired this letter that Paul is writing. So Paul says that now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. It is good to abstain from sexual relations. Now, you need to understand the concept, okay? The context in which Paul is speaking. Now, he's not talking about sexual immorality. He addressed that earlier, okay? So, he says sexual relations. In other words, (laughs) sex in general. Even between husband and wife. (laughs) Paul was saying that it is good to abstain from that. And then someone will be like, ah, is this guy okay at all? 
Yes, in the context of the time that they were in, Maranatha, you know, they were certain that Jesus was going to come back in their time. Okay, because it felt like as if everything that Jesus predicted was almost happening in their time. Jesus talked about when you see the army surround Jerusalem, you know, it happened in their time. The destruction of the temple happened in their time. So it felt like Jesus was about to come back. Okay, so it was in that light that Paul is saying some of these things. Okay, with wars everywhere, with with governments pursuing Christians everywhere, killing them everywhere. He says you don't, <laughs> this is not something you want to fix your mind on. It is good to abstain from sexual sexual relations. Says, but because there is so much sexual immorality, okay, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. So very important. Um, understand the different and the context because it is in that context in which Paul will be giving all of his advice. Okay, so however the challenges that we they were going through in their time it was still better for each person to have his own husband or have his own wife okay because of the possibility of sexual immorality um it says the husband should verse 3 the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs okay so this is a need in marriage it is the responsibility of the husband to fulfill the wife's needs. It is also the responsibility of the wife to fulfill the husband's needs, okay? And however he needs it or however she needs it, it is your responsibility to meet that need. That's what Paul is saying. He says the wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over her body to his wife, okay? So this was where a lot of people struggled during Paul's time. Because um, however you put it, the Jewish culture uh, tends to have a somewhat patriarchal uh, bent in the instructions that, in, that you find in the laws. So that sometimes it felt uh, okay, steep towards, towards the husband. Okay, majority of the, the laws you will find would have things to say about the woman, what the woman is supposed to do. If a woman is caught in adultery, this is what she's supposed to do. You will not find it, you know, said about the man. Maybe you wonder why when they brought that woman caught in adultery, they didn't ask Jesus what they should do to him. Okay? <laughs> because if he was a married man, if you, as far as I anyway, then we could just use some laws to, to imply, but what the law specifically say is what should happen to the woman okay not the man and that was why it was only about the woman that they asked jesus so when paul says here that look man husband okay not just only fulfill your wife's need your wife has authority over your body you are the Edo, but she has some level of authority. It says give. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. In other words, they have exchanged authority. You can't just do whatever it is that you like. It says do not deprive each other of sexual relations. 
unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourself more completely to prayer. Okay? So, does that mean that prayer hinders... (laughs) Oh, no. Does that mean that sexual intimacy hinders prayers? That's not what Paul is saying. Okay? So, Paul is talking about being focused here because of the situation and the time that they were in. Paul was talking about being focused. And that, look, if you, if you have to focus on sexual intimacy for one, for one another, you need to go the, the entire mile, okay? You can't do this haphazardly or just do it the way you want to do it. You have to submit to one another. And in doing that, you will be distracted from, 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 from the things God wants you to do. So in the time that they were living, Paul says that, look, um, you might want to agree to give yourself completely to prayer so that you can focus on what God wants you to do. See, afterward, uh, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. So here, if you check the law, okay, the law from which you have been hearing, the Old Testament from which you have been hearing Paul speak again and again, you will not find this. Okay, but Paul is saying that because I have the mind of God, because I know God is speaking through me, and of course, no one prophesies or speaks or the word, what we have as our Bible, everyone who spoke was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So Paul says that, look, I say this as a concession. I'm giving you this concession because I know, I know in my heart that that is what God, God has commanded us to do. Seven says, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. Okay? So be single because you can see some of the things that Paul did. A married man could not have done them. Or a man with children could not have done those things because of commitment. And that was why Paul said, look, I wish everyone were single so that we can we can do this work, eh? finish spreading the gospel everywhere so that Jesus can come back. <laughs> Jesus said that when the gospel goes all over the world, that he will come back. So let's focus and do this work so that Jesus will come back. So a lot of it was influenced by the fact that they were certain that Jesus was going to come back. However, Paul puts a bent fear that those who have the gift of staying single, and there are those who don't have. Some have one kind and one, some have another. If you don't have the gift, eh, don't, don't punish yourself. Go and marry. Yes, I'm talking to you. Please go and get married. Nice. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried. Just as I am. Yes. So that they can focus. Now, it's a different bent if you are talking about our time because we don't have the pressure that they had as a church, okay? So, please understand the context. It, I I can say with every, every certainty that it is better to get married. <laughs> yes, uh, marriage provides synergy. So, you that's where you have to understand context and balance when you are interpreting the scripture. Marriage provides synergy. Two, the Bible says, are better than one. So I can tell you with every certainty that getting married is better. But in the context of the time that they were in, 
it was better to be unmarried. You had less worries. Eh? Someone would not go and get pregnant and then in the midst of what they were going through, you will not be running around with, with pregnancy. Hey, He says, but if they can't control themselves, uh, they should go ahead and marry. It's, it's better to marry than to born with loss. Eh? It is better to marry than to born with loss. This one that your body is doing you summer, always doing you summer, go and get married. There's no need just struggling and then distracting yourself for nothing. Ten says that, but for those who are married, so this is specifically for those who have married, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. A wife must not leave her husband, must not leave. Is, is that the same thing as divorcing? No. So what Paul is talking about here is not divorce. Okay? A, ma- a wife sh- must not leave her husband. A husband should not leave his wife. Not just walking on the road and then see somebody that is pretty and says, No, ah, no, ah, I don't want this woman again. This is the person I want to be going. I want to, I want to be doing now with. No. It says a wife must not leave her husband, but if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him. And the husband must not leave, leave his wife. Okay? So very, very, very important, the leaving part. Now, the divorce part, it's also applicable here. Very, very applicable. 12 says, now I will speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct a direct command a direct i do not have a direct command from the lord if a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him he must not leave her and if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to continue living with her she must not leave him that's why i said it also applies in the context of divorcing divorces so for the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on living, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other. For God has called you to live in peace. Okay? So, so don't uh, don't you... Wives, realize that your husbands might be saved because of you. It's the same thing applies to, a, to the if it is the husband. And don't you husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? Since each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you because of what they were going through. Eh? Not because of... You can't use that interpretation, okay? This interpretation and apply it to our time directly like that. Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. So if I became born again when I'm a single, it's Paul saying that I should not get married. So like I said, it was because of what they were going through okay, in their time. If you became born again when you were married, okay, Paul is saying don't divorce your wife okay, because you say you want to now focus on the things of God. You will not leave your wife. No. And if you were single... When you became born again, Paul is saying, don't look to get married. Focus on the things of God. I hope you get you get some clarity now. Since you remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. For instance, a man who was circumcised before he became a believer should not try to reverse it. 
I don't know how they even reverse. If somebody has been circumcised, how do you want to reverse it anyway? And the man who was uncircumcised when he became a believer should not be circumcised now. For it makes no difference whether or not a man has been circumcised. The important thing is to keep God's command. Remember that this was largely a Greek church. Okay, so the reigning thing was not circumcision. For anyone who was who was really holding on to circumcision, you know, they had allowed the Jewish, you know, the Jewish culture to influence them. So Paul says that what is important is not circumcision. The true circumcision is the one that happens in our hearts when Jesus cuts away the flesh in our hearts. 20 says, yes, each of you should remain as you were when God called you. Are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. But if you get a chance to be free, take it. And remember, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, you are now free in the Lord. And if you were free when the Lord called you, you are now a slave of Christ. God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. Each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. So at least I've given some clarity to this. 25 says, now, regarding your question about the young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from the Lord for them, but the Lord in his mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted, and I will share it with you because of the present crisis. You hear? So he refers directly to it now. I think it is best to remain as you are. Even for the women, says, if you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles. And I'm trying to spare you uh, those problems. Okay? So Paul makes it clear now that it is because of the difficulty of the times they were living in. And he didn't want them to have to go through some of those problems that he is saying, don't get married. He says, I'm trying to spare you those problems. He said, but let me say this, dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. So from now on, those who with wives should not focus only on their marriage. Marriage, Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absor- abs- absorbed uh, by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of this world should not become attached to them. For this world as we know it will soon pass away. Okay, so if this advice was important, do at least this this part of it eh, that we just read, this last two verses. If it was important then in Paul's time, what do you think it is in our time? Paul says, don't become attached to things. Eh? You are not going to take them out of this world. You came into this world naked. Eh? When your mommy, when you came out, you were naked. And it is certain you will leave this world empty-handed. So Paul says, don't be attached. Don't become attached to things. Eh, my car, my car, my car, my car. Hey, my house, my house. If something, if something happens to some people, you know, they are literally gone. Paul says, don't become attached to them. For this world, as we know it, will soon pass away. He says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. As an unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord 
and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. Clear now, right? Yes. 35. Since I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions, restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Shikena settles everything. So this is the most important word you should take. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord's the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. That was Paul's goal. All the advice he has been given since is not standard advice to every marriage. Okay? You can't use 1 Corinthians chapter 7 to interpret that this is Paul's instruction on marriage. He is giving these instructions based on some context of the times that they were living in, the crisis that they, they, were, they were going through at that time, the persecution that the church was going through. So he was look at giving this advice based on what will give the least distractions as much as possible to people. Okay, so you have to interpret or pick order, unless you have a marriage, you are who are people who are going through uh, maybe some t- type of difficulty um, presently today. You can maybe then use some of these instructions, okay, to help them. But don't use this and as the standard. I've met people who say they are not going to get married because Paul said they say we shouldn't get married. I've met people who say Paul said that it is better not to marry. You don't understand the context in which Paul is speaking. 36, let's run now. But if a man thinks that he is treating his fiancée improperly and we inevitably give in to his passion, let him marry her as he wishes. It is not a sin. But if he has decided firmly not to marry and there is no urgency and he can control his passion, he does well not to marry. So the person who marries his fiancée does well and the person who doesn't marry does even better i say again because of the crisis of the time that they were living in so don't say uh, i've met people they are made to say that they're not going to get married paul said that when we don't get married we have done well no is is there any crisis in the time in where you are living are you living during the crisis of the corinthian church no if your answer is no please um you might want to rethink that again all right, let's read First Corinthians chapter 8, food sacrifice to idols. Now, regarding your questions about food that has been offered to idols, yes, we know, we know that we, we all have knowledge about these issues. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. So, Paul's advice here, eh, what is standing under it is love. His advice is based on love not again as what you want to just use as standard instruction for every, for one and for all time. Now, two says anyone who claims to know all the answer doesn't really know know very much. Did you hear that? For so upon people you see them, they know everything. I know everything. I know everything. You don't know anything. The only person that knows everything, omniscience, is God. Okay? Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. Say, so what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Say, well, we all know that an idol is not really a God. And there is, and that there is only one God. 
So because there is only one God and you serve that God, you have the power of God at work in your life, okay? Those gods cannot have rule over you. And that's the truth. But however, Paul is saying, you can't always just think like that. You can't always think like that. Not because of you, but because of love of your fellow believer. He says, uh, you will, well, we all know that an idol is not really a god, and that there is only one god. Uh, there may be so-called gods, both in heaven and on earth, and some people actually worship many gods and many lords. And I'm telling you, like I've said, I always say to people, there are powers in this world. So, yes, I have seen, I have seen the power of witchcraft. I have seen demonic power in action like this. So don't let anybody lie to you. Paul acknowledges that that is, that is possible. However, <laughs> God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. You, no one can compare to him. 6, however, says, But for us, there is only one God the Father. For us. I do not disregard, I do, I do not, and some Christians do this. You know, they will claim that there is no power. Uh, and then they fall into, into the trap of the devil. Okay, the devil's power is real. However, for you, there is one God the Father, by whom all things were created, and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created, and through whom we live. Okay, so because we live through Christ, because we live in God, when we confront this power, it will be in Christ. It will not be by our own strength. Seven. However, not all believers know this. Did you hear that? Not all believers know this. Not all believers know that if I want to eat food offered unto idols, for example, if I receive it with thanksgiving from, from the Lord, and say, Father, thank you for this food, and I bless and sanctify it, I can eat it. But not all believers know this. So Paul says you have to be careful. Not because there is anything. It will not affect you if you were to eat it. But if someone else just picks it up, uh -uh, she be brother, brother Murphy ate it. Um, let me, I will eat it too. And then you destroy somebody's faith. And you know the way the devil works, eh? The devil will wait for them to be alone first. It is not when all of you are together. <laughs> when they are alone, they will just start seeing funny, funny signs. The same signs that you would have seen and right there in faith, you will silence the voice of the devil. They will start seeing those signs and they don't know what to do. Paul says, be careful. He says, however, not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to, accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods. And their weak consciences are violated. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it. And we don't gain we don't gain anything if we do. Okay? Our approval in God's presence does not come from whether we eat or we don't eat. Eh? You're being powerful and mighty. It's not whether you can eat the food offered to idols and nothing happened to you. Because I have seen people like that, they want to show off. Yes, we can do anything. Uh, just be sure that God is the one telling you to do those things. Uh, before you put yourself or put another believer into problem. It says we don't lose anything if we don't eat it. And we don't gain anything if we do. 
but you must be careful, Paul says, so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. That's why Paul's advice here is based on love. You must be careful so that your own freedom, your own action does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge, eating in the, tem- in the temple of an idol, hey, wow, so it's possible they to go and do the same thing. And then, Wala starts. Says, for if others see you with, the sup- with your superior knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, I won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. Yes, it's possible. <laughs> Very possible. The person is destroyed. Paul says, and when you sin against all, and when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something that their belief is that they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. Paul says that this thing that you are doing is a sin, and God is going to hold you accountable. You think you are proving power. You are you are you are being braggadocious. <laughs> Uh, God is going to ask you. See, so if what I eat causes causes another believer to sin, I will not. I will never. I will never eat meat again, as long as I live. Paul says, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. The guiding principle here is love. Would you want your brother to stumble? I am sure no. Would you want you know your wife you know to to end up in hell? I'm sure your answer is no. And so Paul says, if that is your answer, then be careful. Hallelujah. All right. So that concludes (laughs) chapter 8. It's been been quite interesting today and I've been blessed. So again, please listen to this again. You want to listen to Paul's instruction, helping us in marriage, especially during times of crisis, how we must put our focus on God. In chapter 8, it tells us, okay, Love must be our guiding focus. I want us to pray this morning. Lord, let your love grow in my heart. Let your love, your love for the for the people around me, Lord, grow in my heart. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I choose to walk in love. Father, we give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.